The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, emerging perspectives on people, process, and profits. Your host is Olivia Parr-Rood. In today's fast-paced, high-tech global economy, the business landscape is constantly evolving. To be successful, companies must continually adapt as well as identify and exploit new opportunities. Now, here is the host of Quantum Business Insights, Olivia Parr-Rood. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights. I'm your host, Olivia Parrud. Each week on Quantum Business Insights, I explore the changing nature of business with thought leaders from around the world. My hope is that through deep dialogue and inquiry, we'll discover new approaches and perspectives that can help us all be more successful in our business. I especially want to draw attention to those systems and processes that take advantage of what I feel is our most valuable asset, our human capital. The topic for today's show is Holacracy, Purposeful Organization Through Social Technology. My guest is Brian Robertson, partner at Holacracy One. Brian is a seasoned entrepreneur, organization builder, and a recovering CEO, a job from which he now helps free others with Holacracy. Generally regarded as the primary developer of the system, Brian's work allows leaders to release the reins of personal power and persuasion into a trustworthy and explicit governance process. Beyond joyfully crafting legal documents, Brian's creative expression takes many forms as he enjoys filling a broad variety of the company's roles. He's particularly grateful to hold no fancy titles and wield no special powers so he can just show up as another partner doing his part to support something he cares about. Holacracy One, founded in early 2007, matured the Holacracy prototype into a comprehensive operating system and novel authority structure and packaged it for implementation by other organizations. Holacracy is now an international movement with a broad community of practitioners and consultants facilitating its adoption across the globe. Brian, welcome to Quantum Business Insights. Uh, Olivia, thanks for having me. Really, really glad to be here. Thanks. So I'm really excited to have you as my guest today. I'd like to share with my listeners that I was first introduced to Holacracy back in 2008, and I immediately wanted to learn more. Having survived so many corporate upheavals and seeing how the culture, operating style, governance, you name it, was so limiting in helping each company adapt, I was really intrigued by a set of principles, processes, and structures that could create an inherently adaptable organization. And I was really honored to include a contributed piece on Holacracy in my book, Business Intelligence Success Factors, and I even went on to complete the Holacracy practitioner training. So to help my listeners get a feel for the basics of Holacracy, can you touch upon how you first got the idea, what led you to create it, what problem were you trying to solve? Yeah, actually, I think that's one of the unique things about the system. It wasn't something we created to solve a problem. Oh. Uh, it was something that kind of developed or emerged uh, more from trial and error. So it, it was much more, um, um, well, we, we 
we were I was running a company. I had, I had founded a software company. I was building it as a CEO, and and I was looking for new approaches that just worked in my company. So, over many years, we would just experiment with what new processes can we bring in, what new ideas can we enact, you know, things like that. Uh, just looking for more effective ways to run the organization. And Holacracy uh, kind of got its roots there. So it, it's not that we were stepping back theoretically and trying to design a new approach. Uh, mm. it, it's more uh, experiment and adapt. It was it was something that just kind of developed. So, um, you know, I think that the empirical nature of it, of just looking at what works uh, is, is what led us there. And if you look at our, our common way of structuring organizations today, I mean, I think most people are aware of a lot of the, the limits and the downsides and the things that didn't work so well in that approach. Mm-hmm. And all we did was was search really for, for an alternative. And over many years, something developed. Wow, that's great. So your software company did really well, didn't it? Didn't it have a fast growth, I remember? Yeah, we were one of the fastest growing private companies in the Philadelphia region for many years in a row. Um, and uh, had some yeah, great people, great clients, and, and did some great work. Um, I think uh, in, interesting, um, one of the, the cool things about Holacracy to me is that it, it started in a, uh, an experiment ground, a laboratory, the software company that also had clients to serve, that also had business to do. Right. <laughs> so whatever we did had to, had to work. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, yeah, trial by fire, so to speak. And you know, the results uh, now, it's, it's grown way past my software company. Uh, I founded, as you mentioned, Holacracy One, a new company uh, about six years ago now to, to spread it to the rest of the world. And we've got companies all over the world using the approach. Uh, but that was its early genesis. Oh, thanks. So in your contribution to my book, Business Intelligence Success Factors, you state that, quote, Holacracy is not a model, idea, or theory. Holacracy is a practice. However, Unlike an individual practice, Holacracy is an organizational practice expressed expressed through the individual members for the benefit of the organization. So Holacracy defines the organization as a separate entity, and while there are many benefits to the individual members, the focus and purpose of the practice is to strengthen the organization. So what do you mean when you say it's a separate entity, and why is that useful? Yeah, well, I, I think it's it's uh, a concept that we've seen um, every day in our, our lives for those of us who are parents or or who have parents, and I, I think that's probably most of us. Um, <laughs> you know, as as parents, we learn that uh, the, the child we're raising, it's it's not our property. It's it's not just an extension of ourself. It's not uh, somebody to live out our hopes and dreams and ambitions through. Uh, right? Hopefully, we learn as healthy parents that our job is one of stewarding this other entity to find and express its own creativity in the world, uh, to find its kind of purpose and, and, and live its life. Um, and although we, we certainly have a lot of influence and a lot of impact in that, uh, our, our role is not one of um, fusing our identity with it and using it. Uh, in fact, the whole journey of parent-child is one of, of differentiating, uh, of, of kind of helping the child build an identity separate from the parents. And I, I think the same is very true with our organizations. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur and I've founded a, a few companies now, and um, it, it's it's the same journey. Uh, as an entrepreneur, when you start a company, it's it's like any child starts starts life fused with its mother, <laughs> the, the <laughs> company. Yeah, yeah, literally. The, the company, in, in much the same way, its identity is so fused and wrapped up with its founder. Mm. And that's healthy and natural to start. Um, 
but the the healthy journey then, just like the parent-child one, is one of differentiation. Uh, it's one of allowing uh, the company to find its own identity, its own clear purpose in life. Uh, what is it that it can do better than anyone? What what can it express into the world? What creativity can it contribute that is valuable to others? Uh, mm-hmm. And and then building its own systems and processes and everything else so that the entrepreneur goes from kind of the, the heroic parent taking care of the child uh, to more of an adult-to-adult relationship where the company can stand on its own. And maybe the entrepreneur is still involved for sure, just like, you know, as, as a parent, you're hopefully still involved in your child's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, hopefully not in the same parent-child dynamic that, that you have at the beginning. Uh, um, I see. So that maybe explains why a lot of companies do really well when they're in that incubator stage. But when they try to grow to that next level, then they fail because they haven't been able to let the leader perhaps step back into that more advisory role. Is that accurate? Yeah, and I mean, we see it with raising children too. I mean, how many, <laughs> how many parents are, are perfect at the letting go process, right? And, yeah. and that, that fuels no end to therapy for, for children, I'm sure. But <laughs> it's, um, it's a tough transition to help, you know, raise something that is separate from yourself and differentiate uh, from it when you get your own needs met. I mean, as an entrepreneur, I get, I get my self-esteem needs and my, my, you know, my, my basic sense of self-worth often from the work I do in building a company, uh, just like many parents do. And, and the challenge is to, you know, do that separation without rejection. You know, you're not, you're not throwing your kid out to the street and saying, take care of yourself, but you are, you are helping them build capacity and disidentifying with them. And um, I think that's a lot of companies struggle there. A lot of companies, we, we hear it called as, you know, referred to as founder fusion, or there's a lot of different words or, or labels for it, but a lot of entrepreneurial ventures uh, don't make that leap. And we also see, I think, in bigger companies, the impact uh, when that leap isn't really well navigated, mm. you end up with companies that lose their sense of purpose and identity, um, you know, which uh, I think is another thing we see. A lot of companies that don't uh, don't really embody a sense of what they're all about in life. And, you know, I think the challenge of the entrepreneur is often differentiating while still leaving that the seeds of passion of, of purpose in the company. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those kind of grand goals that they may have. Yeah. I guess yeah, for they sure. get lost. So it almost sounds like holacracy could be a model for family life as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But- I wish I'd known it when my kids were little. <laughs> That's great. Oh, thanks. So uh, let's dig into some of the aspects. You mentioned four aspects of holacracy, and I'd like to touch on each one of them if we could. Um, so the first one you mentioned is organizational structure. And so what's the nature of of the structure used in holacracy and how is it different from, say, traditional structures? Yeah, well, uh, so I think one of the interesting things we see in our business world today, uh, when you think of an organization structure, most people think instantly of, of course, the top-down hierarchy of, of management, of people managing other people. Right. And often we think of that as not even a choice, uh, as just, well, of course, it's the only way to organize. Uh, but of course, it's not the only way to organize. It's one way to organize, and uh, it has certain strengths and certain weaknesses. And I'd argue in today's world of increasing complexity and uncertainty and uh, deeper hunger in the workforce for more meaningful work, more autonomy, more um, engagement, it, it, it's a severely limited organizational structure. 
So one of the things Holacracy does um, is bring a different way of structuring an organization that doesn't use the traditional hierarchy as we know it. Um, and I think there's two major shifts we can talk about there. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is the shift of structure type, and the other is a shift of what we're structuring. So in terms of structure type, uh, Holacracy uses a structure that's uh, much more organic, a lot more like the human body structures with cells mm-hmm. within organs, within systems. It's kind of a, we call it a holarchy. Oh, you know, okay. When you have a, a system like the human body, every level has autonomy. Every cell has clear autonomy, and there's not an, uh, a ruler above it directing it what to do. It has its own self-organizing process and autonomy. Uh, and yet it's also part of a larger entity, an organ, um, that has its own autonomy at that level. And there's a healthy boundary between them, a cell membrane, and channels across that boundary while still honoring the autonomy at every level. So that, that's the first shift in holacracy is a shift of the structure type. The second shift is what we are structuring. So when I first say that, people often still think of it as we're structuring people in some kind of weird different uh, type of structure, but we're not. Holacracy is not a structure of people. It's a structure of the organization's functions. We're structuring its departments, its functions, its roles, uh, its activities. That's what we're structuring. And it's not using people as an element of that structure. The people come in after the fact to energize its roles and functions and uh, breathe life into them and and uh, you know make them go, make them work. But uh, holacracy is fundamentally saying, let's structure the organization's work around its purpose. And let's figure out the right structure for that, having nothing to do with the people. Then let's invite the people to show up and energize that structure with autonomy, with uh, without bosses and managers. There's nothing like that in the system. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a very different structure from what we're used to. So when you say you show up in whatever role, that's what you mean. You're just kind of coming in where, where something's needed and taking on that role, maybe different each day or something like that. Uh, it, it, it could be consistent each day or it might mm-hmm. change with time and you might fill many roles. I fill 30 different roles in my company. At and the same in time. many different teams, all at the same time, yeah, and in oh, many okay. teams. Uh, I mean, you know, minute to minute, it might be different, but <laughs> the, there's not a single, uh, it's not just a single job function. I fill lots of roles in lots of different teams. There are no bosses, there are no managers or anything like that anymore. There's autonomy in each role, and I know what authority I have, I know what responsibilities I have to go with that authority. And all that gets broken up and everyone feels different pieces of it in the system. All right. Well, we're about to take a break. So when we come back, we'll talk another about another aspect of Holacracy with my guest, Brian Robertson of Holacracy One. I'm Olivia Parrud with Quantum Business Insights. Stay tuned. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. 
does success mean to you? Is it being just like the person on the other side of the fence where the grass is supposedly greener? We harbor too many feelings of envy and suppressed anger targeted at others, and it's holding us back from our success. Tune in to Wealthy Thoughts with Richard Levy. Just by listening, you'll be empowered to make positive lifestyle changes to live the successful life that you deserve to live. Wealthy Thoughts can be heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr-Rudd. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. So, I'm Olivia Rood. We're back from the break with my guest, Brian Robertson of Holacracy One. We're talking about the aspects of Holacracy, and we first talked about the organizational structure before the break. Now, I'd like to ask you, Brian, about processing tensions. You say Holacracy harnesses the conscious capacity of those within the organization to sense dissonance between what is, the current reality, and what could be, the purpose, sort of that feeling of attention. Can you explain to our listeners what you mean by this? And I understand you have a great airline metaphor that demonstrates this. So please tell me. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, a story, actually, a true story. Um, I have a private pilot's license. And when I was first learning to fly, uh, I was still a student pilot, and I had a nearly disastrous uh, flight. Uh, I had, yeah, 20-some hours of flight time under my belt, so I'm still a a novice. And uh, it was going on my first cross-country solo flight, so no instructor, hundreds of miles away. And along the journey, the low-voltage light came on. And, you know, (laughs) yeah, they don't teach you much about the plane hardware (laughs) at that point, so... (laughs) Uh, my first instinct was tap the light, but that doesn't change anything. <laughs> <laughs> then my next instinct is check my other instruments. So one by one, I look at every other instrument on my control panel. And, you know, my altimeter says you're not losing altitude, so there's nothing wrong. My airspeed indicator says you're not losing speed, so everything's fine. My navigation aid says you're perfectly on course, nothing to worry about. So one by one, every other instrument tells me there's nothing, nothing off, nothing wrong. So uh, I let those other instruments outvote the low voltage light, and I just ignored it. I figured it must not be that big of a a problem, just a minor thing, right? Because only one instrument is reading anything anomalous. Uh, So I ignored it, and I kept flying, uh, which turned out to be a really horrible decision. (laughs) Uh, I nearly crashed the airplane that day. And uh, I fortunately did make it down after a lot of drama in between, but... Uh, when I did, I realized this is actually kind of what I do in my business uh, all the time, where uh, when when people show up in an organization, they become the sensors for that organization's reality, the instruments. Mm. Uh, and we all sense different things. We have different roles, different talents, different backgrounds, different types, different styles, different perspectives, right? So we sense different things, just like the instruments on that plane. And often it's one lone person that from their perspective senses something that's actually really important for the, the flight path of the organization. Oh. And yet it gets ignored, <laughs> yes. you know? So 
I call that the, the things we sense when we humans are you know, showing up as, as our instruments of our organization. I call them tensions because that's how they, they often show up. It's, it's the feeling, uh, the, the root of the word tension uh, is tendara from the Latin to stretch. And mm. it's that sense of, of tension, of stretching between seeing what is and what could be. You know, and we see this in organizations all the time. It's it's uh, just the sometimes the very little things of you sense an opportunity here or or something that you just know could be better than it is, a little wasteful there, or something slipping between the cracks or or whatever. And all these tensions we sense. Uh, if we really want an organization that can adapt and be agile and responsive, uh, we need a way for any tension sensed by anyone anywhere in the organization to have somewhere to go to get rapidly and reliably processed into some kind of meaningful change if it's relevant to the organization's purpose, uh, its flight, if you will. And that's where I think, connecting back to our prior uh, conversation, where the, the modern hierarchical structures we're in um, are really limited. We don't have the capacity for most people in a typical hierarchical structure today to process any tension they sense anywhere in the company into some kind of meaningful change even if they're the lone instrument sensing it, right? I mean, good luck processing attention if your boss doesn't understand it, okay. you know, if you have that kind of structure. So for me, that became a, a real driving metaphor um, and journey of, you know, how do I build an organizational system where anyone can process anything they sense that's relevant to the company's purpose and a meaningful change uh, with nothing getting in their way and, you know, um, the hierarchy, hierarchical structures don't do it, but nor does no structure. No structure doesn't do it either. Then you get a bunch of people trying to come to consensus on things, and nothing gets processed. <laughs> right. So that that's a big challenge <laughs> that underlies yeah. my work. Well, it's interesting too. I was at a conference last week in San Francisco for big data big data analytics, and one of the speakers said that this there's this big new push for voice of the employee that they're finding that they actually know quite a bit about what's going on. You know yeah. what a what a concept, right? Um, yeah. And now they're finding ways to actually get feedback, and and especially because and I think Holacracy does this beautifully, but when things are changing out on the edges, they're the ones that get it first. The people that are either interacting with the customers or the supply chain or the market or somewhere. And if we're not hearing from them and um, that, I love the metaphor of raising attention to just say something doesn't feel right. You know, it could be nothing, but those few that are great are going to perhaps be breakthroughs or or save the company. Um, Yeah, and I think that's one of the big challenges too. Uh, You know, there's an awareness of this in our modern business culture now and the importance of the engagement and the feedback, but our, our structures fight against it. So, I mean, yeah. even when you have best of intentions as a leader and you want to harness more feedback and more input and leave more autonomy and power for people, uh, the structure of the business itself fights against you. It limits it. And right. all the best intentioned leaders in the world aren't going to change that unless we look at changing the fundamental structure. Right. That that makes sense. That's probably why structure is the first, <laughs> the first aspect. So let's look at the third aspect of Holacracy is core practices, such as the meeting types and styles. Can you talk a little bit about the different meetings that you propose with Holacracy and why they're important to the success of the of the model or the practice. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I think one of the the key shifts to understand uh, first is the 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 shift the big shift in holacracy is to a different type of power structure, and we talked about structure, but what we didn't hit on with that uh, that goes with that 
Uh, the first move I make when I'm working with a CEO that's interested in Holacracy, uh, first we give them a taste of it so they kind of understand a bit more about it. They get an experience of it. But then the next step is for that CEO, if they want to move forward with this, to adopt the Holacracy constitution, which is actually a written power structure, and to seed their power into that constitution. Ooh. So we're shifting. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a biggie. <laughs> we're shifting from the hierarchical-driven, CEO-driven power structures to one that is a constitutionally defined power structure. So when you talk about the practices, like there's meetings, uh, we talk about those, those are all defined in the constitution. So it's not just, you know, the CEO is saying, we're gonna have this meeting differently or whatever. It is literally ceding their power. And when I'm engaged to coach uh, organizations going through this, one of the interesting pieces of my job is to remind that CEO sometimes, wait, you don't have the authority to make that decision or you don't have the authority (laughs) to tell that person what's expected of them because there's a governance meeting process that actually defines expectations now. And uh, they have the autonomy to make that decision themselves. And if that causes you tension, here's your channel to process it. But you can't just tell them what to do in the way you could in a hierarchical structure. So that's a big, big shift. And that's what makes it not just a bunch of new meeting types. There are new meeting types, but those new meeting types are enacting a new power structure, a new authority structure. Wow. So can you talk a little bit about some of the different types of meetings that you've defined? Yeah, there are really two um, meeting practices defined in the Constitution. There's a governance meeting and a tactical meeting, and uh, they serve different purposes. So we often see um, in organizations today, it's kind of the way things work around here becomes very static, and uh, it's difficult to change the, the expectations, the job descriptions, things like that uh, get very static, very um, just stuck in old habits, old patterns. So governance meetings in Holacracy are about restructuring how the organization works. So it's kind of stepping back from the day-to-day tactical you know, firefighting or whatever and pulling back and saying, well, wait a minute, uh, who is going to own what? What are we going to expect from them? Who's going to have what authority to make which decisions? Mm-hmm. So governance defines all of that. Um, it defines, uh, I think when we were setting up this interview, you were working with uh, Sabrina in our, our PR role. And that right. role has certain authorities. And that role has certain expectations that go with their authority to make certain decisions. All of that is defined in our governance meetings and can be evolved regularly as we learn what works better and how we organize governance defines all of that, and it distributes authority. Uh, So Sabrina knows she has authority that I can't trump, and I have authority that she can't trump. Mm. And we fill different roles, and governance splits all that out and defines the connections. Um, Versus our tactical meeting, which is um, totally different. It's where we we take all of that that structure, and we just express it. We get work done together. We um, help triage what's in the way, and how do we get it out of the way, and what actions are we going to take? So tactical meetings are much more like what we're used to, but it's a really focused discipline meeting process that um, I got a, a text message from a client who had just finished one recently. And the text message uh, read uh, 33 agenda items in 55 minutes. Uh, Holacracy <laughs> wins. <laughs> well, so, yeah, I remember that from the training and being it. There, the thing that was so impressive was you really have to put your ego aside, right? So there's no crosstalk or emotional baggage that can come out. It's just very efficient. But I think once everybody gets that, they enjoy it because you get so much done. So you have time to get back to your work, you know. 
Oh, it is. Uh, it also cuts down, ironically, on how much needs to go to a meeting with the governance process, which clarifies who is the authority to decide what outside of meetings. So instead of always rehashing the same topics and trying to build group consensus, governance can say, all right, here's a general issue. We need somebody to have the authority to make the decision, and we need to expect some things along with that so that they don't cause harm elsewhere. Governance defines that, so we don't have to go to a meeting and build consensus all the time to make every decision. That's great. And then isn't there something about it? May, it's good enough for now? Tell me about that. I remember. Yeah. Or, or uh, try not to reach perfectionists. What yeah, I was say. yeah. Some of the, the – you're pointing at one of the core principles that you'll see embodied in the whole system, the whole practice, uh, which is – uh, it, it's a, a more of a evolutionary approach or a learning-driven approach. So instead of trying to figure out everything up front, and uh, well, look what happens when we try to define job descriptions by having somebody step back and reorganize the company, and we have this big corporate reorganization that has all these lengthy job descriptions that are out of date by the time they roll off the printer, and they get <laughs> stuck in a drawer, and nobody cares. They don't. They don't actually match the needs of the organization uh, on the the ground floor. And so instead of trying to do all that predictive de definition and planning, Holacracy lets the needs kind of emerge from what's actually happening. So mm. uh, we're evolving those. And to do that, we're trying to just start at uh, just the minimum step forward to resolve attention. So when somebody experiences something a little bit off, then great. How do we address that tension by making the smallest possible change to our current structure? And then that happens repeatedly and fast. Wow, that's great. Well, it's time for another break. So just uh, to recap, we're talking to Brian Robertson of Holacracy One about the aspects of Holacracy. I'm Olivia Parrud with Quantum Business Insights. Stay tuned. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday, 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. It's all about action. Touchdown! Scores. Taking a look at the NBA tonight. Highlights. He's broken loose. He's at the 30. And headlines. Big trade in the NFL this afternoon. When you are looking to talk sports, look no further than the Voice America Sports Network. We bring you some of the biggest names and all the sports news you can handle. Whether it's basketball, off the glass, football, Come on. golf, racing, or the Olympics, we've got you covered. We'll even cover tailgating. Into the Voice America Sports Network. It's all things sports. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr Rood. 
To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Hi, this is Olivia Parrud with Quantum Business Insights. We're back with my guest, Brian Robertson of Holacracy One. And before the break, we were talking about one of the aspects of Holacracy, which was the core practices. And we talked a little bit about meetings and um, the different types of meetings and how people show up. And I, I guess I want to drill down a little more into the importance of structuring it with these roles and accountabilities. And I also would love you to touch on the importance of transparency and maybe how those things are related. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's actually one of the really cool things that happens, I think, when you adopt Holacracy and you really get it up and running. You get a level of transparency into how the company is really operating and, and structured. Uh, that's that's uh, pretty wild. So, uh, for example, uh, we're working with uh, two clients right now. Actually, one of our clients has been uh, been up and running for for quite a while now, and then, then a newer client. And uh, the the newer one um, was able to learn from the the older client. So so they were kind of both facing a similar challenge. And um, the uh, our, our longer term client, it's a company called Medium, uh, which is run by one of the founders of Twitter. Uh, they have um, uh, uh, their whole organizational structure is in this the software tool that kind of goes along with the practice of holacracy, and you can see in it exactly how all their flows, all their roles, their how their organization works, how it's structured. And so, when our new client wanted to learn something about a piece of how they structured to see if it made sense for them, they actually called them. Uh, the, the two CEOs knew each other and and said, "Hey, can I can I log into your your software system and actually see how your business is structured?" And and he did, and wow. and we were able to actually use that. But uh, the cool thing is with with that level of transparency uh, and real transparency, not the kind of job description stuff that really isn't relevant at all because it doesn't match what's happening. Uh, with that, anyone in that organization or connected to that organization can go in and see exactly who has what authority, who can make which decisions, what can we expect from everybody along with their authority throughout that system. Um, all of that is just just clear. Uh, and it's it's continually updating, so it stays real and aligned with, with what's really needed. It doesn't get you know, out of date uh, and, and, you know, so, so people go look at it often uh, in an organization practicing holacracy. And uh, it's pretty cool to see that level of clarity and transparency um, for everybody in the system. And, and I know when I show up in my company that runs with holacracy, I know exactly what authority I have. And when I want to go find out what authority anyone else has and what I can expect from them to go with it that might help my work, uh, I can go find that out uh, really simply and really easily. And when I feel a tension about it, I can go to a governance meeting and bring a proposal and change it. Oh, okay. So that's perhaps where a new role or accountability may emerge from a tension or something. Exactly. Okay. Boy, can you imagine that in our government? (laughs) That would be quite powerful. So thank you. So let's go to the fourth aspect of holacracy, which you say is purpose. So what, how do you, what do you mean by purpose and why is is that important in holacracy? Yeah. um, I think you, uh, said it in the very beginning when you're introducing me, it, Holacracy is um, uh, it's a, a social technology for purposeful organizations. So it's it's a social technology in the sense of uh, it is a way of organizing, a way of structuring uh, people. Um, and the whole point of it is so that we can work together for a purpose. 
uh, and so that we can do it more intentionally or more purposefully. So it's kind of two meanings of purpose I use there. Uh, so the first is uh, everything in Holacracy is about how do we structure in order to express a purpose. And I, I define purpose as uh, what is the, the deepest creative capacity that this organization could sustainably express in the world that would be valued by those around it somehow, some way. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, what is what is the the why behind the organization and what is the, the, the creativity that it can unleash into the world? And uh, once we identify some sense of that, and it doesn't have to be perfect, we can improve our understanding of it over time. But when we identify some sense of that, that's kind of the seed for everything else in Holacracy. So the governance meetings are about governing around how do we express that purpose better? Uh, when we sense tensions, we're sensing, hmm, what could be better about how we express that purpose? Uh, there's various, the constitution includes various kind of tests to make sure that what's being brought into the, the organization is, uh, is relevant to process. And all those tests are around, does it serve our purpose? Um, so everything comes down to how can we organize around expressing that purpose. And along the way, we do that more intentionally. So instead of just structure happening because of politics and egos and because that's the way it's always been done, <laughs> uh, instead, we have a very conscious process of saying, uh, okay, what are we sensing here? You know, what tensions are we sensing? What opportunities? Uh, I don't mean tension in a negative way, just a sense of a gap between what is and how could things be better. Uh, so when we sense that, we can change something in the organization uh, to to learn, and you know that uh, is purposeful. That is intentional. Uh, so uh, again, I, I think it's a great way of understanding holacracy. Simply, it's it's a a system that is more purposeful. Uh, in order to express a purpose better. So do the participants or the, the the people in the company basically share the purpose? What If they wanted to, uh, say, adapt it or, or, or tweak it, is that something that could be done within the organization? Yeah, and I, I think this is where we go back to the uh, talk we had about differentiating the parent from the child. So uh, uh -huh. in this case, the goal of philocracy is not to take all the people and say, okay, collectively, what do we want the purpose of this company to be? Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's make it part of our personal purpose. Uh, no more than we want parents saying, well, what do we want the purpose of our child to be? And, mm -hmm. you know, what would serve us better? Here's what we want. You know, we, we, we always wished we were, you know, a star football player. So let's have our child live out that fantasy through, you know, them or, or for us. That happens uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah, it sure does. You know, and it's, um, it happens in companies too. Uh, it actually is in some ways happens even more in more progressive companies that try to get everybody more inclusion, more, more power, more voice, right? Because they mistake getting more voice for uh, the company being all about just the people, the workers within it. And Holacracy makes a distinction. We have an unprecedented level of voice. The capacity of everyone to actually process whatever they sense mm. is higher than any system I've ever experienced. Wow. Uh, but what makes that work is we're not driving the purpose from our own wants. We're tuning into this organization, kind of like that child. What is its creative capacity? And you know, we can just like parents, we can sense that when we let our own purpose have its own place in our life, and then we kind of set that aside as we're stewarding and caretaking uh, for an other. And in this case, the other is the organization. So you know, we can evolve the purpose for sure, but we're not driving it to be about what we want. We are we are helping figure out what what is it that this organization can, you know, the the deepest 
creative expression it can have in the world, uh, given everything available to it, its history, its brand, its capital, its equipment, its people, you know, all of that, what is the deepest opportunity it has for creativity, uh, for expressing something in the world? Have, and now let's organize around it. So have you ever had somebody come to you and say, I'd really like to use Holacracy and you start out telling them about this purpose? Maybe that's not the first thing, but um, at some point, and they say, wow, I never thought of that. Or has that ever happened where they just, that's a concept that they didn't ever consider? Yeah, uh, we've um, certainly seen some organizations that haven't put much attention to it. Although I think there's a lot of the companies that are attracted to Holacracy are already trying to be purpose-driven companies. Right. And they're just looking for um, a better system that helps express that purpose. Um so you know the the uh, many of our our clients are uh, I mean they're already looking in that space. Not all of them. Some of them uh, it's it's a little bit new, but most of them are already in some way focusing on not just the what they do and the uh, you know blind pursuit of profits, but rather uh, what contribution are we making in the world and you know uh, yeah trying to be something different and better. Uh, I, I think it's just those kind of organizations that are more attracted to a system like Holacracy to begin with, uh, although it can certainly help the others tune into it. <laughs> right, because if I mean I think about an investment bank, which and a lot of those types of companies that are really just in it for the money, they don't want transparency and they don't want voice and. It's yeah. that's my bias. <laughs> well, and, and you know, I think that's uh, an interesting quote on that. I heard from uh, John Mackey, the CEO of Whole Foods, and uh, I don't remember if it was his quote or if he was sharing somebody else's, but uh, he said, you know, if, if all you want to do is get absolutely fabulous, fabulously wealthy and you don't care who you step on in the process and, you know, don't care what uh, harm you might cause as you do it, the most effective way you can pursue that wealth is by building a conscious, purpose-driven company that benefits everyone it touches. Yay! And I, I find that is a just a really interesting paradox because that generates more wealth. That generates more than mm-hmm. than the alternative. So even if that is the main goal of somebody, you know, driving a company, uh, it, it still behooves them to step back and say, okay, well. Uh, look, what is it that we can best express that is most valuable in the world around us? And then let's organize everything around that purpose and really serving in some way. And the money's going to follow. So, you know, people, I think, mistakenly sometimes have the impression that uh, the purpose of a business is about generating profit. And, and there's never a purpose for a business. It's, it's like blood. You need it for life, but it's not the purpose of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if you want to generate plenty of wealth, then just go find how you can be ridiculously valuable to the world and generate something truly novel and truly awesome and help everyone around you while you do it. You're going to find plenty of ways to, to monetize that. Oh, that's great. And it sounds like it's a bit of short-term versus long-term, right? So when you're in it for the long-term as well. And also, I, I like that quote, or whoever said, but that John Mackey uh, mentioned, because if you think about it, you, you really, I think if you aren't embracing the people as we know and spoke of earlier, that's where a lot of the tensions come from. That's where a lot of the new new innovation and and just uh, if, if fueling the energy. Um, if we're not treating them well and giving them a voice, we won't be successful in the long term. I guess so. That's that really makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, do you have any 
organizations that you could share perhaps um, actually we're coming up on a break so why don't we take a break and when we come back I'd love you to talk a little bit about maybe some case studies you have uh, or or implementations that you could perhaps uh, tell a story about holacracy so uh, this is Olivia Parrood with Quantum Business Insights and my guest Brian Robertson from Holacracy One and we'll be back after the break so stay tuned Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Quantum Business Insights with Olivia Parr-Rood. To reach the program with questions or comments, please send an email to show at oliviagroup.com. That's show at oliviagroup.com. Now, back to Quantum Business Insights. Hi, this is Olivia, and we're back with Quantum Business Insights and my guest, Brian Robertson of Holacracy One. So before the break, we were talking about some of the aspects of Holacracy and some of the roles that people play and how the the structure supports accountability and uh, transparency. And what I'd like to do now is hear about perhaps some case studies that you have where companies have come to you, asked to use it, and maybe you've taken them through the process and what that was like and how they benefited. Yeah, it's a it's a really fascinating process uh, because you are fundamentally shifting the way power works in the company. Uh, as I mentioned, that first move with adopting the constitution as the actual seat of authority, um, and then you're you're helping everyone learn new habits uh, for how to influence things in the organization, how to set expectations, how to align. Uh, so it, it's a really deep shift. Um, which, I bet. Which, yeah, it makes for some really interesting work and. And frankly, some really inspiring clients because the kind of CEO that wants to actually release their power into a system that that is more empowering for everyone is usually a pretty interesting person to work with. <laughs> yeah. uh, so some of those I mentioned, um, Evan Williams, uh, who is one of the founders of Twitter and and 
uh, is now building a new company, uh, Medium, and uh, he's running Medium with Holacracy. Uh, that was uh, really cool to be involved with with getting them up to speed and building that. And uh, just as one little anecdote, I, I had breakfast uh, with Ev uh, last time I was out in San Francisco where they're based, and uh, you know, kind of just asked him a bit about what was his motivation. You know, what what attracted him to this, and he actually shared that you know after leaving Twitter, um, he was kind of in a a, a bit torn in that um, you know he he really knew that in order to express his creativity and kind of follow his his own internal creative passion, uh, he needed a company to support it. It was just, it was big enough that he needed others. But he was really dreading the thought of getting stuck in the CEO role again and, mm. you know, getting stuck in the the management and, and just all of that stuff that distracted from the creativity. And uh, he also gave a great talk at the Wisdom 2.0 conference, um, I believe it was this year or earlier, that, um, you know, he talked about, he had all these incredible people he had attracted around him. Um, you know, these uh, uh, Silicon Valley, you know, really brilliant folks from all the, the top Silicon Valley companies into his new firm. And and yet, you know, he was really worried the conventional management structure, uh, as it grows, it just stifles that, uh, it crushes mm-hmm. it. Right. So when he found Holacracy, it was kind of the, the, the liberation of, oh, wow, you know, I don't have to get stuck in that conventional CEO role. And, and it's exactly what he was looking for to be able to build a company and express his creative gift in a way that let everyone else be part of that creativity without getting, you know, stuck in all the limits of the, the management hierarchy. Um, so that was that was kind of a cool story. There's um, yeah. uh, another one with the David Allen Company. Uh, so David is the author of the book Getting Things Done, uh, or GTD is the approach, which is pretty much one of the, the uh, most well-known uh, personal productivity systems in the world. Mm. And uh, David had a company that was, I guess it was 45 employees or so at the time we started working with them. And David was actually trying to, to exit the company. Um, you know, he had built it, uh, founded it, grown it, and he was ready to, to kind of hire somebody else to come in and take over a lot of the reins as he kind of pulled out. Uh, but it really struggled with, with how to do that. Um, you know, he had, he had tried to get out. It didn't work so well. It, it was, it's difficult for a founder to, to make that navigate that. And, and he didn't want to lose. They had this really awesome culture and they didn't want to lose the value of all that uh, as he was exiting. Mm-hmm. So uh, for him, Holacracy was actually a tool to help him exit the company and leave behind something that uh, would Im- kind of embed and encode the culture he had built into a tangible system that would maintain the empowerment, the voice and everything else, even as they scaled, um, which, That's- yeah, it's pretty cool. And he, he yeah. was able to do it. And, and he, the, the guy he hired to come in and take a lot of the work he was doing, uh, Mike Williams, uh, who we've worked with now for a number of years, was um, when David was hiring him, he said, look, flat out, um, you might have you might carry the title of CEO so the external world knows kind of how to interact with us. But let's be clear, internally, there's no such title. It doesn't mean anything. Wow. Right? You are bound by the constitution and the governance that it, it creates. There's no CEO inside this company. It's a title just for the rest of the world to have a, as a spokesperson, so they know you know how you're showing up. But uh, internally, you know, you not you don't have that that authority that a CEO typically would, because we run with this constitution and this rule system. Um, and Mike just dived into that, embraced it, and learned new ways of of helping to uh, control an organization, which was pretty cool. So, how big are they now? 
Um, you know, I'm not sure. I think they're they've grown a little bit, but I I don't know for sure. The the largest company uh, we've worked with is actually one of our newer clients, which is Zappos, which is I think about 1,500 employees. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, which is pretty cool, yeah. And they're they're a great group, and they're they're early in this journey now themselves, and about I don't know six months in almost, and mm-hmm. um, and again, it's uh, watching uh, for them. They want to be able to scale uh, even larger than they are now without all of the limits of bureaucracy and and you know all the stuff that that seeps in as a company grows um they want to maintain an entrepreneurial culture a real focus on self-organization and their culture is just you know incredible and unique and they don't want to limit that with the typical management bureaucracy as they grow so oh it um, sounds like a perfect fit yeah it's a great fit yeah it's yeah again every company we work with i, I think you know, all for different reasons. Each one's really inspiring. It's you, you've got to be to be wanting to to do something this this new, this different, and this powerful. Um, it's pretty cool. That's amazing. And I, speaking for myself, I work as a contractor for a large tech company because I don't want to be in management and have all the headaches. But I could see having a really great time, you know, as part of a big tech company that uh, has even it, at at some title to the outside world, but not having to be that kind of manager in the traditional role. So that's very exciting. So is there stuff that companies can do to make it easier to run Holacracy? Um, I think you mentioned earlier there was a software you could look at the structure. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, um, the software tool definitely helps, but uh, to be clear, it's it's uh, it's a support tool. The primary shift is not just using a new technology tool; it's mm. it's changing the power structure. Yeah, and to do that, you need a good coach. Um, I think uh-huh. at least a company of any size, the ability uh, you've just you've just got to have a coach. It's it's like learning a new sport, and mm-hmm. you know if if you just try to read an instruction manual and then go out on the field and play, it's going to be a little awkward. So uh, your organization actually uh, trains people to be coaches in this. In uh, yeah, this. we do. We, we coach companies ourselves. We also have a network mm-hmm. of licensees all over the world uh, that do this work uh, with companies in their uh, areas. Uh, so it's, um, yeah, the, the best path is to get a coach. Um, it's possible for smaller companies. Sometimes they're able to do it themselves with just training. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's such a big shift. You're changing the way power works. And yeah. for that, you really want somebody to help guide you through it. Yeah, and I remember the meetings and how how different it is. So I could see how important it would be to have somebody maybe even shadowing you and coaching and um, really maybe holding your hand during, during the uh, startup of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, most of our clients start by just, let's just get a taste. We do a little uh, two-day workshop with our, our potential clients just to, to give them an experience of what this is really like. Mm-hmm. And that's usually the, the starting point for everything from there. So how many countries are you in now? Oh God, I've lost count. Um, yeah. A lot of <laughs> Europe, uh, Australia, uh, here. Uh, it, yeah. It's, um, it's spreading. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, um, it's just been such a pleasure to talk to you. It looks like we're about out of time. So I just want to thank you so much for being my guest today. And I do hope you'll come back and visit us again. Yeah. Thanks, Olivia. Really great talking with you. My pleasure. So next week, I'll be in Italy visiting the Federation of Damanhur. 
a federation of spiritual communities in 2005, the Federation of Damanhur and the Village Council of Vidraka won an award from the Global Human Settlements Forum as a model of sustainable society. So I hope to do live interviews with two of their leaders about sustainable business. Um, Makako Tameris is the president of the Gen Europe, the Global Eco Village Network, and Esperide Ananas, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, is a pioneer in human development re- development research and represents the community as an ambassador crisscrossing the globe to consult with individuals and groups. So be sure to check my host page, voiceamerica.com, for full details. I'm your host, Olivia Parud. Thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights. Thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights. Please join your host, Olivia Parr-Rood, again next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.